measured quantities and perceived attributes, amplitude and cheer, antelopes and reactions. The human brain is said to process sound in as little as 50 milliseconds, influencing emotions and decisions. Today we explore how the swift perception as well as its intersection with the visual world impacts the world of advertising. Even like this, we're tuning in Alina Danilova, Jan Pavelchuk, sorting subliminal stuff in rock and roll with Eric Kokum, the mastermind behind Snask Design and Communication Agency in Stockholm. I think that's interesting, especially with sound, because it's so strong. I mean, it's even stronger than a color. Like sound on the work that we do, when we add sound, everything changes. So our today's talk is a bit unusual, but I feel like we've been coming to it for a pretty long time during all of our previous episodes. We got Eric Kokum, the main face behind Snask, one of my personal favorites in terms of visual slash audio advertising. Eric, my pleasure to greet you today. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, yes. Uh, so you expose yourself, not personally, but I mean snasking generally, uh, as your future romance. What is the message behind this phrase? How do you interpret it personally? I love that you singled that one out because I, I don't think I ever gotten that question actually before. I mean, to be honest, it's not, I mean, it's just our way to market ourselves. It's our way to say that you can take your big bag of money and come over and, you know, bring it and we make something uh, nice together. It's, uh, but I guess it's also something to do with that, like, when we, how we speak about client relationships or whatever we call them is that we want it to be like friends and family. We don't want it to be like the classic um, relationship of like a company between two businesses. And, you know, we, we think it should be very down to earth and uh, honest and open. And, uh, and also that it's a good collaboration. So, I mean, uh, we we can't do it alone, uh, you know, it needs to be together and so on. So I guess uh, if you dig a little bit deeper into those those things, it could be that we are also trying to say that at the same time. Is there any connection, is there a connection between this and being romantic in terms of advertising itself, in terms of you exposing your collective ego? I mean, your collective ego as Snask's name, I mean. I don't know. I, I haven't <laughs> thought about it that way, but I think we have a, a tone in the way we speak and in the way we show our work that is kind of like playful and uh, and sometimes maybe a little bit romantic in different ways. I mean, you can be romantic in many different ways, right? You can be romanticize anything. You can romanticize, uh, you know, being drunk or whatever it is. I think that's maybe how we, we try to have a lot of fun. We try to be transparent and sort of show it. And we talk often about a lot about love and, and, you know, like feeling things for uh, emotions around our work too and stuff. So, I mean, I, I think there's more like a, maybe a, a way of expression there that how we talk about things and then, then that sort of becomes our language. But I love that you, that you thought about this a lot because 
uh, I guess it's become kind of like normal for me. Absolutely. When you do it for a long time, you don't think that much about it after a while. So yeah, it's fun. Your position pretty much reminds me of one of our previous talks we had with Marcus Lust from Loop from Austria about being honest in terms of authenticity. Like what is it? Has it really to be connected to anything like material or immaterial? That makes a lot of sense to me, actually, because being honest, according to our experience, being honest has a really viable visual and visible reflection because your work, according to the, <laughs> to the things that I've watched, is literally oozing with color and those shapes made me think of uh, Snask as one of my favorite uh, sources of emotional Nearly physical inspiration, because it's it's really uh, to the brink of something that you can mm -hmm. physically touch, you can physically perceive. Yeah. So that's why it's good to talk with you about perception today. Thank you for that. That's very nice of you. And I'm happy to hear that, that you see that and feel that. And I'm also like, I think in our style, we always wanted to make it sort of a little bit less digital and more physical, like uh, taking it out whatever we if we make design for example the computer is a tool for us that we can use but then we would love to build it in the real world so to make physical installations etc etc and that there's so many layers to why that is good i mean it can be one thing for the person looking at it later the the the, the sort of consumer or whatever it is that we created that they maybe see something that is more real and a little bit more honest maybe It can have flaws. It can be, it's not perfect everywhere. But then also for us, you know, creating, being a team that's working on something, we, we have to do something in the real world. <laughs> like we meet, we build, we paint, we take photos, we do, we, you know, it's maybe a more, uh, where we come from. It's more like some honesty to there, to what we like doing. And, and that's why I think we do it as well. You mentioned layers and it felt a bit familiar for me because we also use multi-layered approach in our work when we talk about sounds. But what could those layers be related to your work when you just mentioned, like you're trying to build a complex uh, perception of the content that you make? What, what could those layers you've mentioned be? Like I said, it's, it's layers that are both like internal and external. So why do we do what we do? <laughs> you know, something that um, you can't just do it with like an end result in mind only and, and think about there is some type of uh, communication advertisement thing in the end that it should look in a certain way. For us, like the, those layers of what I mean is just that there are many reasons why we do things how we do it. and. You know, and then sometimes it's selfish reasons because you want to experience something yourself. Sometimes it's because of reasons of relationships with the clients or internal and, you know, that you choose to do things. So you want to explore something interesting. And from a creative point of view, it's a little bit more of an honest approach, maybe because you go in with an interest to do something and not just like uh, an end goal in mind. I mean... I think like anyone that works in the, in the creative industry or some, or with something creative have, uh, started out somewhere where they felt something, you know, that they want to do work with something and not only like 
deliver an end result, right? It's the process that gets us there that is why we do what we do, I think. Well, anyway, I cannot think of selfishness in that context as uh, as a something, some kind of a disadvantage, you know, because Elena knows my, uh. my theory, my attitude to that pretty much. I'm pretty sure that a healthy pinch of selfishness is a, an essential driver of uh, one's creative mind, actually, because there's no creative actually without that pinch of selfishness of like, uh, of your own willingness to express yourself. Because otherwise you're just telling another, another person's story. So I, I'm pretty sure that honesty is pretty much related to us striving to deliver our own messages that we find the most important and the most significant, actually. Yeah, maybe I can add to, add to that, but from the point of uh, neurobiology. I yeah, mean, please uh, do. I give absolutely no clue about neurobiologist so p- no, please I'm, yeah i'm just uh, sometimes uh, into reading like uh, about how neurobiology explains some creative processes and your perception of like music or the art visuals and it's always interesting how the particular parts of the brain correlates the, the process of creation itself when we and that correlates the, the parts of the brain that uh, connected the, our perception of ourselves so yeah it's uh, like uh, inevitable evidence of that that's just uh, how it is yeah i guess it's yeah it's extremely individual all of this and it's like and also yeah we talk about selfish and so it's more like you shouldn't be an idiot or you shouldn't be like a bad person. Is that, you know, no, but like people are connected to that. Sometimes people think like, I need to be more selfish. And then they like run over other people and just like, you know, are idiots, assholes or whatever you want to call them. And, and like, it's not about that. It's more about like being closer to your emotions, closer to what you feel and, and express that somehow, but you can do it with, with other people in mind at the same time. Could you consider things you do as a, a way to express yourself on, let's say, 101%, to explore a, an extra tiny bit of things that we cannot find in our casual life, in our reality? I don't know. I, I really don't know, though. Uh, I guess uh, that was too deep for me, man. <laughs> I find it hard when we talk about something creative and, you know, like creating uh, something I don't think about it in that way. It's do things that feel good and like that is fun and creates a purpose for the that moment alone or together with other people. And then sometimes that maybe, yeah, adds something to, you know, do you go sort of deeper into something or uh, do something that you didn't or experience something that you didn't expect, but like, yeah, I see no, have no like goal in that, or it's not a, a must. So. I think that you're kind of apologetic of empiric approach, maybe. You think not mostly about the creative process itself, not deconstructed it, rather than thinking about the details of your deconstructed creative process, like I do this because it requires A, or I do B because it requires A, or like this. Instead of that, you're aiming at achieving, let's say, ready to perceive human experience. A pretty casual experience based on simple emotions, like I love to do that, it inspires me, or uh, I feel stoked about it, I feel that gives me power, I think that gives me fun. Yeah, or I just have fun, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, it can be extremely simple. It, it's like, I think so many people go way too deep into this and they put themselves onto high horses and like trying to distance yourself from other people by being a creative or something. It's just bullshit. I mean, seriously, this it and it's like everyone can be creative and everyone are in different ways. And it's more about uh, how we see restraint. If we, if we, feel like we are free to create. Like there's often that, that we put boundaries on ourselves and uh, people are creative in ways they don't understand that they just like found a faster way to cut a tomato at home. You know, they just like, hmm, but if I cut it this way, it goes faster. That was fucking creative as fuck, you know? Or if you take a faster way to the bus. Uh, I, I, I said this in some other interviews about like, I think one of the most creative things in the world are pathways in the nature or in a, even better in a city that is like, we plan this like city infrastructure and like roads or have been drawn on maps and smart people have been laying it out. And then it's like a park or a nature and people go straight across it. I get your point. Yeah. And it's like, that's creativity. That's the human creativity that everyone has. Like... They, found, they find better ways or smarter ways to do things. And that's one way of being creative. So the issue, as you see it, if I get it right, is creative considered to be way more elitistic than it actually has to be. Like something more down to earth, something more, much more casual, much more near to, much more near to us in real life, much more practical, actually. Yeah, it can be. It can also be fucking doing drugs and thinking about space, whatever, like, you know, it's like, I'm not saying that one is better than the other, you know, it's like, it's like, but I love to, to be, uh, we can, you know, sometimes I, I don't know, want to explore weird shit as well, or like, or talking more, you know, uh, in more, uh, yeah, philosophical <laughs> ways about things or, Life. I mean, there are so many good things that people have made uh, that inspire us in that way, you know, in films, etc. And then, then it's just like, that's amazing to have those type of discussions sometimes too. And, that, and I can bring that into creative work too. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, uh, maybe I'm too, like... Not practical. I think we might change the title of it as, like, Down to Earth. Down to Earth with Eric. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I'm getting cynical. It's just because I turned 40. Personally, I don't think that that's a bad idea to get cynical sometimes. And uh, also, I don't think that that was cynical <laughs> at all. As one of our guests said previously, new sincerity, he said. This is the thing that's going to save the world, new sincerity. I think, I think that's pretty much about that. Nevertheless, actually, in terms of advertising, eventually, we often see things that we cannot experience in real life. And they might be a bit larger than in real life. Like, for example, you did that work for a hamster and it feels a bit larger than life. Just a little tiny bit because you, you still think that, um, oh, wow, it's, it seems immersive. But while watching it for the second time, you still think that, yes, yeah, it feels really immersive, but can I achieve such experience in real life? And from time to time, I come to conclusion that we often have to build 
an extra, like an extra 101st floor to that 100 floor skyscrape that we actually have when we make commercial content. Have you ever tried to design an advertiser that could sound like, I don't know, a specific color or where sound would taste in a, in a specific way? Not just like being a creative uh, head that that sees uh, a concept and be like, oh, yeah, I would love to sound that blue. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly. laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just, just so speaking simple. No, yeah. but like, not really, to be honest. Like, I don't think um, that's mine or, or at Snask approach. Like we, um, as you hear, it can be a little bit more pragmatic. Like we, we love to use color. We, we love to use, to push things and make it more bold and extrovert and, you know, and, but we, for example, with color, we hate color theory. I don't believe that color has like a bigger meaning or, you know, it has for individuals, for you as an individual, a color can mean loads. And it's the same with sound. But therefore it would be very weird to make like a sound that is a color, you know, um, but a sound that is an emotion that we're trying to somehow communicate. We can at least, of course, try to do. But then I know that's like some people will hear it in one way and some people we hear it in a different way. And I, I think that's interesting, especially with sound because it's so strong. I mean, it's even stronger than a color, like sound on the work that we do. When we add sound, everything changes. But you think of it as something subjective at the same time. Definitely. It is. It is. And it's like, not only a, a, of you as a as a person, like, oh, what it means to you. It's also the context where, how you hear it and where you hear it. It makes so much difference. Like when you're working on something, you sit in this like work context all the time. You listen to it so carefully and in like special rooms to listen to it, you know, and then someone that ex experienced it later, it's, first of all, they might see a lot of stuff that we do without sound, Yeah, you know, because a lot of people miss it's it. It's pretty disappointing. Yeah. It is sad, but it's, yeah. that's how it is a little bit. And then when they hear it, they might hear a shitty sound or suddenly they hear, you know, it's an ad on TV and, or at a cinema or something. And suddenly they have the best sound in the world when they, you know, it's like, but especially that context of like, I talk about with music, you know, if we take, if we take a, a, a person uh, and ask them about what music they like, most people have an opinion. They're like, Oh, I, I like heavy metal music or I hate heavy metal music and I like uh, hip hop or some classic music or whatever it is, they have like opinions. But then if you show them a movie that they really, really like, you know, like a movie that they really love and a director that they like, and you put them to watch this movie, I'm, I promise you that some of their favorite scenes will have some of the music that they hate, you know, or vice versa. And it's like, it's just because like suddenly we, we watch a, a, a scene and it's metal music to it and it just fits perfectly and it tells an emotion and a story and suddenly you love metal music in that moment, you know, but you wouldn't like be able to listen to it at home or in a stereo. So when we work with this kind of stuff, it's, for example, it's super important to difference uh, if, let's say that we're working on uh, songs, music for uh, uh, some video that we're doing. We, That's what we call complex perception. Yeah, yeah, except because if we send it, just the sound to them, just the music, hey, listen to this song, what do you think about it? 
that will be one perception. And then, or if we put it on the video, made it good, like made it fit as we were thinking about it and, and they make it, see it with, with the, the image and it's like a totally different experience and, and, and so on. So this is what makes it interesting, but this is also where a lot of wrong decisions are can be made because people forget about this and they, they yeah yeah jump. and still where's that red line where lies a viewer or listener's acceptance of the content right where's this red line where he he or she perceives it as something as something good maybe i know that you mentioned that it's quite subjective it is it is hard that's why we can't make too much stuff like with a again with like an idea of how it's going to be perceived too much. If you understand what I mean, it's like people make things to win awards. It's the most stupid thing I ever heard. Like, seriously, what the fuck are you doing? Like, stop doing that. Like, make it with some other type of feeling. If you start thinking too much about what it's going to be, how it's going to be perceived and how it's, what's going to happen with it, then you, even if it happens, you like lost it. So I think that's why we can only do it from ourselves but ourselves meaning as a group as a team that uh, comes to a conclusion we, we use all our expertise all our experience and we mix that together and we discuss and we listen to different things we we try we try things i mean how many times when we create something haven't we tried 20 different songs or different sounds so like we do that and we we come eventually we come to a conclusion what we think fits the best for what we set out to do and the feeling we had creating it you know uh, and that sometimes is like the first stupid little like melody that someone wrote as a joke or something you know or like oh something like boop boop you know and then that becomes the final piece because it had the emotion that we were after you know and then when you start producing it 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 got lost on the way or you overthank thought uh, about um, what you were doing etc so it's really no like a clear answer <laughs> as for me i find a crucial paradox in this because you just said that you use all your teams all your team members experience and expertise but after you sum up all of these theoretical plus practical basis you just collected yourself and your team you come to a completely intuitive results which could be really stupid really not not really sophisticated so all of these massive efforts that is the expertise and the experience yeah yeah like what's what's the subject of that expertise it's to trust yourself it's like to trust in what you believe is you know the way to do it and then maybe it's also to communicate that <laughs> be good in communicating it, but like it often comes down to an emotion and the feeling that something is good or bad or right or wrong or whatever it is, you know. And I'm not, again, it is a bit of mix of it because then if you say that, then people are like, oh, it doesn't matter. You don't need anything to do what you do. And it's like, no, that's not true either. We, we, we can use the experience, etc. But it's still a lot of like, Trust in yourself and there to go somewhere. That's like what, there's so many times I've done 
bad shit, you know, or we have done, you know, not good stuff. And many times it's because we haven't trusted ourselves. <laughs> like we somewhere on the way, we got nervous or anxious and we started to like, oh, maybe this is not the right thing. And, you know, in the end, somewhere in the process, we lost our vision. Or it can be that the client doesn't trust us again, like that we didn't manage to communicate it to them. Or maybe trying to fit the, the timeline. Yeah, uh, it, I see, yeah. No, but and, and tight timeline, that, that's something important because like, again, if you have some type of experience, you can do things very fast if you want to. You know, we can throw together a campaign for you in three days, like a global campaign, like no fucking problem. It's not that hard if we just do it in the way that we that we know how to do it. More or less copy something that is already out there. We would just tweak it a little bit, bam, 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 throw something together, push it out. But that will, we have no clue if it will be good. It will never be original. It will never be into, you know, like it will just be what we know works. I know only two things that require more than three days in, in every case. The first one is building up a decent banking mobile app. Oh, yeah. That's the first one. <laughs> Not creative at all. Not creative. It, it really requires more than three days. And the, yeah, yeah. And the second one is building a digital audio workstation that's going to work well, like Ableton, FL Studio, something like a program where sound design and musicians work. No, but you understand me correctly too, that like... That like when I say that, I'm not saying that you can do that when you don't have that. Yeah. If you like, we have a setup already. We have everything on, on place. We don't need to be like, we couldn't have from the first day we started Snask that we couldn't do that. That was impossible for us. But like, but now we can, like now we can do something extremely quick because we know how to do that. But that quick thing. Might not be as so good, and especially it's really hard to make it original or like something interesting or new. And that the only reason is because you don't have time to make mistakes. And that's like you need time to make mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's make mistakes. Always make. It's, it's mistakes. essential. It's crucial. It's it's one zero one. I believe that. And I have to mention that in some cases we happen to come to really unexpected and really fascinating amazing results in really tight timelines. When we are extremely limited in time and in efforts, we come to really unexpected results. Like somehow they might be the uh, actually the most the most slightly perceived results. The most natural I, I think. Making something naturally and it's perceived as something as something good because it's simple. And you're not really sophisticated about it. You don't spend two months on, on like, I don't know, composing an, a, a soundtrack, right? You're like, you're like, you have to compose a two-minute audio track. You do not spend, you don't, you don't spend ages on building each, each sound like, oh, yeah, I should tweak this sound right here. Or, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm not sure that that kick drum really sits right nice in here. I know, I know, and I, I know there are many cases where there's, necessary, like mixing, mastering. These are things that require really meticulous technical approach. And I know guys that who are really, really nerds and geeks in that, in that, in, they do it way better than me or than Alina, I think. Uh, yeah, maybe for that, <laughs> I, as a I'm, I'm pretty also, sure that. also not took like quite so long because like mixing session, it's about one day, maybe at 
at all times. So, but you know, yeah. there are some like albums and you know stuff that like famous, the biggest albums in the world. They've been done in like a week. You know, they had a few days in a studio and then they came out. The album was done. Yeah, or in ten years. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like there is not like a one formula and this works. Have you seen that clip with Damon Albarn? From the blur definitely yeah it's yeah. amazing <laughs> i mean and then when he drum, he has the drum machine and he's like oh it's the go- go- gorillas of course uh track and he's like you know this is how we came up with this song and he's like presses this tiny shitty synthesizer drum track and it's just a dun 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 and it's the whole it's the whole song and you're like what the fuck yeah and you know it's really shitty yeah, of course and this but, but this is what i mean with like trust in yourself you dare to go so many people could have listened to that and jammed or something and be like oh this is so nice but they would never ever dare to make a song out of it like because that's not how you do it it's not professional enough it's not you know, deep enough or whatever. Like one of my closest friends, a musician also, he likes to say that it's better to do something than to not do it perfectly. Yeah, you know, so it's like people, yeah, should chill. Just do cool stuff. Chill with Eric, yeah. (laughs) That's that's a new title, okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I had the nice points about that just like today morning. I had a I had a lecture with my students at a music college where, where I'm a teacher. And so we're studying sound synthesis. You learn how to use shitty synthesizers or good synthesizers to be able to build your own sound, to transfer it like from your imagination directly to the computer or to the synthesizer, like to your audio workstation, whatever it is. And so... The point was to let sounds have some imperfection in it, to humanize it a little bit, because like we're, we're, we're all humans, we're not perfect. And the electronic era has started to provide, it's been a bit too much perfect and it's getting more and more perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. It, yeah. It, it, and it becomes more and more perfect from time to time. Each year we have a solution that brings you closer to that 100% of gold standard that we're striving for. And I always say, guys, just leave something, leave something imperfect, leave something vibing, something vital. It's, it might live, it might, it might be like plants. It might be not, not, not really 100% beautiful, but, but you should like it. It goes to a lot of things. It's like I said, I often relate to that too in the, um, in the video work or the visual work that we do as, as well. It's like, for example, when you, if you want to make something like monochromatic looking or like one color use only, I promise you it's going to be like uh, 10 people in that during that process that are going to try to make you not do that because it's too much. Oh, but can really everything be in this color? You know, like, or isn't that like weird? Is that, you know, because that's just how it works. If you want to push something, and this was a very simple, uh, like example, like it's just a color, you know, but like it can be something else. You just want to like push that all the way. And people just want to f- love a middle way, you know, they love to find a little bit like, oh, but just a little bit less. 
And I mean, there's so many. I mean, I I play drums. Oh, you and, do. Uh, yeah, and and when I recorded with bands, I done. You know, it's like so many like amazingly creative people, and the music we listen to in in as a references, they have all these crazy weird sounds and distorted drums and things. But then when we are recording. People are not daring to do it. They're like, oh, no, but maybe we shouldn't do that. Or like, and this can be like crazy fucking drug addict people that are like, you know, the most weird people ever. But when it comes to even them, when it comes to like recording something, it's going to be like perfect. And yeah, it's, it's funny how we work like that, like humans. It's like some processes we just get very scared of like, you know, doing things wrong or different. Not all my friends are drug addicts, by the way, or actually, actually none. <laughs> yeah, it might, <laughs> might, might seem a bit weird, but I, I guess I can clearly see how your musical background, how it influences your current work, your current yeah. creative approach. Uh, yeah, but I think like maybe there's an attitude thing that has helped, you know, that we, we're not, we're not like with Snask, we never saw ourselves as graphic designers or create you know like creative people we've never been a part of this industry we never cared about that so i think we always be more influenced by other things in society art music thing you know like bands and politics talking about politics talking about work that's been like our inspiration to create and do things and and you know so maybe yeah to like to have a musical side or background too it's like it it you know, it widens your perspective, I guess. It's like having a fucking normal job. Like if you have, I hope you, some time you like, like worked as a store clerk, you know, like, you know, some coffee or work in a bar, like, I don't know, deliver some shit, something like, have a real job, see the world uh, in different ways, like uh, participate uh, in different ways. That's like, it will give you so much to, uh, as you move on in life and do do other things, you know, get some perspectives. I think that's very, very important. Uh, and I want to say something too that's interesting with music. We, and now we talk about a lot like, okay, we do a lot of video work uh, or visual work in different ways, and then we put music on it, right? But I also done a few music videos, and it's interesting with that process because then you turn it around and suddenly you hear the song and you want, you're not going to change the music, right? That's going to be there. And then you're going to find a visual to fit to the music instead. And it's just, it's just interesting. Uh, I love that process because it's so much fun to instead dig into the song and the music and find the details in that and, you know, and, and what you can create to that and then doing the opposite. Uh, and it's, it gives often so much more structure and sort of framework to be creative with. And so it's been like so much fun. I love doing that. I just want to say that. I, I know it was something that came up in my head now when we were talking about this. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I've had just a strange point to this, uh, all, all of this theme of imperfections. And uh, that's just a thought that in my mind for the last couple of weeks, I've recently read in Twitter, I'm sorry for that reference. It's called the X, right? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. not used to it. So, <laughs> so, so sorry. So yeah, it, it was a phrase uh, from one of my uh, colleague musicians. 
he wrote like if uh, visual art is how we decorate space then the music is how we decorate time and i'm thinking about for a couple of weeks uh, now and i think that it might be one of the reasons why we so attached to this detail when we are recording something why do we want it to be like perfect because time is like absolutely ununderstandable thing it's so complex and it's so important and life at the the just the thing that like mesmerizing me personally and now we get a chance to somehow make it more do it properly beautiful yeah, yeah. and make it yeah. maybe more colorful or personal for us to mean something for other people so that was the point no but it's so true it's like recording with with mu music in a studio or something it's one of the most like stress pressured things sometimes i experience because people like it's like oh now we have this opportunity and also every musician is like of course we never have money it's <laughs> like It's, a, it's such a big thing, like, oh my God, we can spend a few days in this studio, you know, and, and like, and therefore it needs to also... And it will be forever there. Yeah, it's forever and you have the possibility to make it perfect with all the perfect mics and equipment that's there and, and so on. So you, 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 um, you can't like help yourself from going that way somehow. But then again, like I, I remember I, when I talked to musicians about recordings that they've done, like amazing songs that have become big uh, hits or whatever. And you're like, you hear that, like, fucking, it's a really raw drum beat on this one. And I'm like, you, you must have done. They were like, yeah, man, we just put on one mic in the fucking big, like in the room. And we just like smash it because, you know, they were just having fun. And that became the, the track and that like the, the the drum track that became the song you know it's like and the question yeah, is actually like, would would it otherwise no i don't think so i don't think so in like i mean some songs are like that's why they break through and it's like otherwise you know it's like if you hear a cover band or something it doesn't sound as good or whatever you know it's like it's it's or when you hear bands that play, sometimes play live or make other recordings of their same songs they have they make make like new recordings or stuff and it sounds completely different and yeah it's difficult i need to ask one more question like it's it's vital for today yeah what do you expect the upcoming collaboration of sound and advertising to sound like in the future like maybe it could help improve or implement new formats yeah i should add here that we with Jan, we, yeah yesterday we've spent like half an hour discussing that and maybe you have some clue about that um no i have no clue i have no clue but i i i can guess a little bit i think there's many perspectives of it of course like for ai is one What, what will that do? And I mean, if you see AI as a tool that would be very quick on creating things, especially it will also create a lot of music. I mean, it's maybe it's sort of on the way there, but not fully. And and I mean, I think it's a bit boring and sad, of course, but I, because of the society we live in, it will happen. And I mean, it will basically, in the end, it will be that we have too much choice and 
Maybe it will be more like that the, the future of sound, sound and advertisement would be that it changes a lot. Because if you don't have the, I mean, with the same, that you try things a lot more. Maybe it's the same type of ads or videos, but with different sounds, different music towards different target groups, etc. Because if you don't have the same issue with rights anymore, which I call it an issue, but it's can be in products with budgets, of course, that you just can't make as many or whatever, if that sort of disappears uh, a little bit, like then why wouldn't you just shoot out more versions of, of things and so on? So and, and and that will be a bit boring because then there's no identity to it. Then it's just like trying to uh, fit with uh, the people that are gonna watch it or listen to it. And it's like, what what might they like? Let's do this. But instead of it coming from you and like we are like this, we want to be this music or this sound, you know. So, I mean, I'm sure it will be more like that, way more uh, a mix of things. And then I, and then it's also the thing, like, we, we touched a little bit on, on about, like, sound being, um, or that we don't use sound a lot, like, when we, when we see things nowadays. It's, it's a bit random if we, if we actually listen to things that we watch, or if we just watch it with our eyes, so say it's like, uh, and that that might be um, also somehow more distinguished somehow. What do you think? Yeah, I had a point yesterday with my pre uh, pre episode talk with Alina, and there was a point about Dolby Atmos formats, which is quite specific because it requires a huge goddamn ton of money to be built because it requires like it's a it's a three dimensional format of audio where you have three digits, like instead of two, for example, uh, you have a stereo format, which is called 2.0. Like you have two speakers and zero subwoofers. You have a 5.1, pretty popular format, where you have five speakers around you and uh, three speakers in front of you, two rear speakers and one subwoofer. And Dolby Atmos looks like, I don't know, 11.1.4, where you have 11 speakers around you and one subwoofer and four speakers on the goddamn ceiling. And it requires like a huge ton of money. If you want to, all those speakers be good, you need to pay, I don't know, two grand for each speaker, which results in a in a hole in your budget. Uh, a lot of money, right. You also need the patience of putting that up. Yes, someone who can manage to do that. Exactly. I was actually thinking of its emerging potential, but can it be a format of the future if it costs such a huge bunch of greens? I mean, of course, I mean, it will be for some people or for some studios or whatever, like it's the, the we, everything is just more and more polarized and people will be rich, people will get richer. And I, that, that sounds a little, little dystopic, yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> that's how it is. Uh, no, but it, it, it's, it's not going to change as it looks and uh, meaning that like there will be uh, two different types I mean, if we talk it very simply now, because the, we're talking about rich in a way that, you know, like super, super rich. And it's always like two different worlds and slash markets there. And we we don't know about it that much sometimes about like that world too of like, there's so much being created for them, like special things that are only made for the super rich that we never like sort of hear about or see because they just like do their own and maybe this is not that expensive, you know, all type of new technology and extreme experiences will, there will always be a, a crowd for it as things look, but then 
that type of thing, I don't think it would go to the masses. It's almost like it's getting simplified there. You know what I mean? For like, because people don't even, people listen to stuff without a fucking normal speaker even. Like, you know, it's so many things that we listen to through a, just a computer sound or a phone sound, you know? And there's so much sound that being missed. Uh, you know, it's crazy sometimes when I done that myself. You watch something or listen to some song and you do it a lot like on just that simple way. And then like I happen to suddenly do it on my with my earphones, like say, and then I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, oh shit. It's like completely different. So, you know, you start hearing things that you never heard before. That's because you chose better speakers or better headphones or, or like newly built headphones. Yeah, like but headphones it becomes, just... exactly, but it becomes, it's a little bit like, uh, this is what we talked about before too, that like, it's a lot of things that we create and we do, and we do it sort of because we want to do it in this like amazing way. And it should, it needs to be this high end result and all of these things. And I love that. I think that's fun it drives it's ambitious it's like what makes what keeps us alive that we try to do things extra good and you know etc but many times that the person we were doing it for maybe will never experience it that way in terms of that i've been always thinking of a simple correlation that i can clearly see looking back at our history like if we have scientific or technological progress. It's always been pushed by our growing inquiries. Like we want something more, so that's how we push, we encourage ourselves to invent something else. In some cases, these inventions can cost like really a lot. It takes time for us to check out like whether we really need to meet our expectations, do we really need that technology in our everyday life? Is it really that necessary as, as we thought it to be initially? And in case of humanity, in case of our, I don't know, smartest minds and uh, capitalists, businessmen, whoever they are, come up with an idea how to make it cheaper and available to the rest of us. Shortly after that, we get the results of this technological progress. We Finally, we meet our expectations and it becomes our casual life. It's the same thing it was with the computers. Back in the 70s or 80s, the, in the 90s, early 90s, people used to think that computers are for like for, for, for the elites, something for the richest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It actually, eventually it became, it became cheaper and it became available. No, and, but, and still, and at the same time, there's a gigantic part of the, this planet's population that can't afford a computer. But I understand what, you, what you're saying. And it's like, in some ways we go towards, we develop um, things that are better and, you know, more affordable and it reaches more people and so on. But and then more immersive. More immersive, whatever. I mean, sometimes like when people are like, oh, in the future, everyone will just live their life in like a fucking headset of VR or something. You're like, yeah, but <laughs> will it actually be that accessible for everyone to do that? Like, I find that hard to believe, at least as if we talk everyone, like, the, you, you know, I, I understand that I'm definitely more people will do it and it will be a big, and especially in the, in the Western world, like it will happen more and more, but like it already is happening sometimes, you know, and when, when it comes to sound and immer immersive experiences, I'd, 
is it what's the value of it? For some people, maybe it's no value of that. You know, and they won't, they, they don't want that. They want something else. Like you install a little chip in your their ear and then suddenly you can have a super good sound like this and you can filter it and do whatever, you know, and like, of course, then it's like, maybe it's like the most accessible thing for, for a lot of people in the future to get great sound or something. My very last question for today. Yes, Eric, what is your latest inspiration? Um, Could oh, be anything. I always find it so hard. But I, I know, okay. I, Let's no, paraphrase it. Yeah, just think they impress you the most. Like, like I have, yeah. um, well, I have one thing. <laughs> Yesterday, I listened to a new record that was inspiring. And it's, um, it's called Snoring. And it's by Eric Kessels. The founders of Kessels Kramer is an amazing agency from Amsterdam. And it's a, a vinyl record that I have from him that is two hours of his friend snoring. So you just put it on and it's just a guy snoring forever. And that I listened to yesterday. <laughs> it's, <laughs> a, it's a catchy concept, right? Something that Andrew Warfel did quite similar. To yeah, 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 exactly. I, it's definitely in, the, in that world. Um, but it, it was fun and it was inspiring. Of course, it was a different thing. So I, it made me think about stuff and some ideas so um, yeah that's my latest inspiration yeah that was quite unusual i guess I don't know what could be a good outro for for this one, but I feel like saying it's me falling asleep, snoring, <laughs> snoring. Yes, yes, actually snoring and uh, keeping it simple, ladies and gentlemen. Keep it simple. Have fun and trust in yourselves, guys. Yeah, be down to earth. Eric Kokum. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Eric. Thank you. It was super fun. Thank you so much. Super fun to you as well, Eric. Thank you very much for coming in. Tune in guys, even like this. See you next time.